So what brought me to Crosspoint was I was a single mother with three kids under the age of two. And um, I was just at a very dark place in my life. And I felt God called me to this church. And I came one day just to visit. Um, I cried the whole service. When the service was over, I walked out into the lobby and there was a volunteer there who was working. And she just locked eyes with me and she wrapped her arms around me and I just cried in her arms. Um, and I knew that Cross Point was the place I was supposed to be. And I felt just the presence of God within this church and I knew that he had called me here. Once I got plugged into this church, I learned that it's not about religion, but about relationship. That is when things started changing in my life, that I began to be obedient to God and listen to God and what he was asking me to do. Whereas before, you know, I might've just lived my life just checking the box, going to church and that was it. But it's not about just coming on Sunday mornings. It's truly about listening to God, seeking him, being obedient to him, and truly watching him change your life. He's completely changed my heart from the inside out. I have heard God speak to me a few times in my life. Um, one time was coming in through our front doors of our home. I closed the door and I heard God speak to my heart and said, open your doors for my glory. And I didn't understand what that meant, but I ran into the kitchen, I told my husband about it, and I said, I think that we are to open our home, maybe start a small group. Neither one of us had ever done that before. Um, so we've had our small group now for six years. The community within that group is everything to me. To see how God is working in every person's life, raising up these people to go and spread the gospel and to start new ministries. I mean, it could be nothing more than God. You have to say yes. You have to believe that God will equip you and enable you to do what he's called you to do. And I don't want to just sit back and not be part of the game. I wanna get in the game. I believe and I have faith that God has amazing plans for all of us. Even though I was a believer, I was not truly living that life out. I surrendered to him and I said, I can't live this life anymore. You take over, you do it. And that's when the life change began when you surrender to God, let him do it. Position yourself to do all that he has for you to do. Well, first of all, would you give the Lord a hand just for that testimony, that was awesome. I don't even really know that I need to preach, but since you're here, I will, if that's okay with everybody. I wanna thank you who are watching online. Those who are here in our building today, and I hope you'll encourage, to encourage those of you online. Come on back, we practice social distancing, we're doing all the protocols, and God's been good, and it's just great to be here. At my alma mater, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, just a few years ago, uh, they were about to have chapel, and somebody called a bomb threat in just before the chapel was to start, saying they'd planted a bomb in the chapel. So obviously, taking every precaution, the administrators called the fire department, they called the police who rushed out there, and they brought with them this big black bomb-sniffing dog. And the dog went into the chapel, and he walked up and down every pew on the balcony, on the lower floor. He walked into the storage room. He walked into the men's bathroom. He walked into the women's bathroom. He walked into the audio center that they had there. He walked all over there and found nothing. 
So the police chief said to all the crowd that was gathered there, it's all clear. Well, the speaker that day for the chapel put the police chief aside and he said, can I ask you a question? He said, sure. He said, how much do you trust that dog? The police chief thought about it and said, uh, let's just meet outside today, okay? Now, that raises a question, and it's a great question. And you may think it's an easy question to answer, and the question is, do you trust God? Now, before you give a knee-jerk, oh, sure, yes, absolutely. Before you give a knee-jerk answer to the question, let me ask a deeper question. How much do you trust God? That's the real question. See, the first question can be answered with your lips, yes. But the second question you answer with your life. It's easy to say, oh, sure, I trust God, till you dig down deep. And you say, yeah, but how much do you trust God? See, the proof of your trust in God is not just the words that you speak with your lips. It's the works that you show with your life. Now, let me just be honest. It is a lot easier for me to stand up here and tell you that you ought to trust God than it is sometimes for me to trust God. So I'm going to be honest. I, get, I have the advantage of being the preacher. And you're probably sitting out there saying the same thing. Yeah, it's easy for you to sit there and tell me to trust God. But how about you? Is it always easy for you to trust God? No, it's not. And I get it. It's easier for me to do it than for you to do it. It's easier for me to tell you than for you to trust. There's a little boy that got a brand new bicycle and his little brother was ending the bicycle. And so he walked up to his, little, his older brother and he said, I just want to ask you a question. How did you get that new bicycle? Well, his brother said, well, I'll just be honest with you. I, I prayed for it. I asked God to give me the bicycle. And he said, why don't you go and why don't you pray for a bicycle? Well, the little brother went off and he thought about it for a while and he came back to his big brother and he said, you know, I've been thinking about this. He said, I got a better idea. He said, what's that? He said, you're a lot better at this prayer gig than I am, so why don't you give me yours? You go pray for another one. <laughs> now, that's kind of where I am, and I get it. Yeah, it's easy for me to tell you to trust God. But you could sit there and say, yeah, but you don't know my situation. You don't know what I'm facing. You don't know where I'm at in my life. You don't know where I'm at in my marriage. You don't know where I'm at with my children. You don't know where I'm at with a job. In fact, I don't even have a job, and I've been asking God for a job, and I need a job, and you're telling me to trust God. Well, let me give you some good news. God doesn't play favorites. We can all equally trust God, all of us, and the good news is God makes a promise to everyone. He doesn't play favorites. He says, when you trust me, I will respond to you in the same way, and I'm going to prove this to you. Today, we're going to look at a verse in a book in the Bible called Proverbs. And if you brought a copy of God's Word or want to look on in your iPad or on the iPhone or whatever, it's in the middle of the Old Testament. You just start at Genesis and keep turning, go about halfway, you'll find a book of Proverbs. It's right after the longest book in the Bible called Psalms. And we're going to look at probably the most well-known proverb in the entire book of Proverbs. As a matter of fact, it may be one of the most well-known verses for Christians in the whole Bible. When I even just tell you what text we're going to look at, many of you in your mind are going to start saying the verse. We're going to look today at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Most of you, a lot of you would say, oh, I know that. It's real easy. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. 
curious. How many of you are familiar with that proverb? A lot of you are. Some of you remember. Oh, yeah, I've heard that many times. It is a beautiful proverb. Here's why I love it. You know, I've said this to you many times, and I try to be like Jesus. We complicate the simple. Jesus simplified the complicated. I try to keep my messages very simple. I really do because that's the way Jesus taught. This verse is so simple. And it was really easy for me to kind of build a sermon because the whole verse breaks down really into four verbs, right? They're all right there. Trust, lean, acknowledge, make straight. Four verbs. Three of them are imperatives. No choice. He's not asking us to do this. He's telling us, trust God. Don't lean. Acknowledge. Those are imperatives. But the other verb is a promise. Here's what God says. If you'll trust, if you won't lean, if you'll acknowledge, here's what I will do. I will make your paths straight. So it's very simple. God says, your job is to trust. My job is to guide. Your job is to go where I want you to go. My job is to make sure you get there. That's the way it works. You trust, you don't lean, you acknowledge, I'll make your paths straight. So here's the simple truth. I'm going to give you my sermon in a sentence, okay? This is the simple truth of what we're going to talk about today. When I trust God, it gives him pleasure and he gives me treasure. That's the simple truth of this verse. When I trust God, it gives him pleasure and God gives me treasure. So the question we're going to ask and answer today is, well, what does it mean? What does it mean to trust God, not just with your life, but with with your your lips, but with your life? Not just with your words, but with your works. What does it mean? How do you really know you're really trusting God the way God desires, the way God deserves, and the way God demands to be trusted? Well, number one, you'll be confident in God's provision for you. If you really trust God, you'll be confident in God's provision for you. For you. Now, notice everything begins with the word trust. In fact, let me just stop right here. The whole sermon is a waste of your time. That entire proverb breaks completely apart if you don't start with the first word. So, what do we read? Trust in the Lord. And then he's real specific. Say that word. Say it real loud. Say it like you mean it. All. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, let me just, I'm going to make this easy. If you got, we've got kids in here today. Make this easy for kids to understand. What does it mean to trust? What does that mean? Well, the word trust in the Hebrew language literally means to lie down on or to, trust, to stretch out on something. So you kids, listen up. This, is, this will be good. You'll enjoy this part because you, it's easy for everybody to understand. What that verse is talking about is what you and I did last night and what we do every single night. We went to bed. You went to bed, I went to bed. When I went to bed last night, I didn't give my bed a second thought. How many of you here last night slept with one foot on the ground? Raise your hand. No, you don't do that. How many of you slept last night holding on to the headboard? You didn't do that. You didn't give it a second thought. You knew, you just had total trust, this mattress is going to hold me. This frame is not going to fall apart. And that's why we'll say, I fell into bed. We don't just get in bed. We fall into bed. Why? We have absolute, complete trust in that bed. Here's what he's saying. The same way you trust your bed is the same way you ought to trust God. Trust God with all your heart. He gets specific. He says, with all your heart. Now, why does he say that? 
By the way, boys and girls, that word heart doesn't just refer to that organ that's pumping blood in your body. That's not what the word heart means there. In the Bible, the word heart refers to every part of you. When the Bible says do something with all your heart, it means you throw everything you can into it. The intellectual, the emotional, the volitional, the spiritual. You throw your mind into it. You throw your feelings into it. You throw your will into it. In other words, what the psalmist is saying is, if you really want to trust God, it means you trust God with two things. You ready? All that you are and all that you have. All that you are and all that you have. You've got to put your whole heart into trusting God. You say, why? Because with God, listen to this, a half-hearted trust with God to God is the same thing as a wholehearted doubt. Did you hear what I said? A half-hearted trust to God is the same thing as a wholehearted doubt. So here's what the psalmist is saying. You either trust God totally or you don't trust God at all. You're going to trust God the way God wants to be trusted, deserves to be trusted, desires to be trusted, demands to be trusted. It's got to be with your whole heart. Let me tell you, listen, if you're, let's say you get engaged to get married. And it's three days before the wedding. And you and your fiance are kind of making final plans before that glorious day comes. If you look at your fiance and you say to your fiance, I just want you to know, after we get married, you can trust me most of the time. Guess what? You ain't getting married. Or suppose you need a job. And you go to a bank and you sit down and the bank president's interviewing you. And you look at that bank president and you say, listen, I just want you to know, when it comes to the bank's money, you can trust me most of the time. You're going to stay on the unemployment line. You're not going to get that job. They want a wholehearted trust. God says, I not only want you to trust me, I want you to completely trust me. I want you to trust me with everything you have. I want you to trust me with everything that you are. And listen, you know why? He deserves nothing less. Think about this. God's character makes it impossible to fool us because he can't lie. God's wisdom makes it impossible to fail us because he can't make a mistake. Why wouldn't you trust God with all your heart? Well, that means something else. There's a flip side to it. If you're going to trust God with all of your heart, that means you have to abandon the alternative because there's only one alternative. What's the alternative? Lean on your own understanding. But he says, no, don't do that. Do not lean on your own understanding. Let me tell you what that word lean means. Leans. The word lean means there to support yourself by leaning on something else, leaning on someone else, saying, God, you're going on the shelf. God, you stay out of this. I'm going to lean on something else, or I'm going to lean on someone else. In other words, what the psalmist is saying is, in every decision in life, every decision, you are not to be guided by what you think you ought to do. You're not to be guided by what you feel you ought to do. You're not even to be guided by what someone else may tell you you ought to do. God should be your go-to in making every decision of your life. Now, having said that, let me make something plain. That doesn't mean you're to be without understanding. It doesn't mean that you put your mind in neutral. It doesn't mean that you don't use sanctified common sense. What it does mean is that the most important thing in your life, when you've got a big decision to make or a small decision, the most important thing that you've got to do is not what your mind tells you to do, not what your heart tells you to do, 
Not what your feelings tell you to do. Not what anybody else tells you to do. It's what God says that you ought to do. Because I want you to mark this down. If you put what you think ahead of what God says, you will always be headed in the wrong direction. You will be making the wrong decisions. And by the way, you're going to wind up in the wrong destination. If you, if you put what you think you ought to do or what you feel you ought to do or what somebody else says you ought to do ahead of what God says you ought to do, just make it down. I'm going in the wrong direction. I'm about to make the wrong decision, and I'm going to wind up in the wrong destination. And here's why. What may seem reasonable to you to do may not always be the right thing to do. And if you want a good example, you're sitting in it right now. I look out here, I see one of my best buddies, Richard Dodson, right over here. I see Richard, I see Jack, Jack Campbell, by the way, Jack, go great, go Gators. Don't quote me, but I'm going to say that one time. So I see Richard Dodson and Jack Campbell. They were with me at Snellville. They both would tell you, it was not reasonable for me to leave that church and start this church. On paper, it made no sense. I'm running 3,300 people over there. I got a $7 million budget. I'm leaving there to go start a church with 200 people. That is not reasonable. But if I had stayed, I would have done the wrong thing. Why? Because I knew what I believed God wanted me to do. See, this is the way it works. Your reasoning will tell you this. It tells so many people this. Your reasoning will tell you, I can do more with 100% of my money than God and I can do together with 90% of my money. That's what your reasoning will tell you. It just doesn't make sense to give God a tenth of my income. It doesn't make sense. Because I, then I've got $10 less than I had. If I've got $100 and I give God 10, I've only got 90. Yeah, here's the trade-off. But now you've got God involved in your finances. Man, it'll seem reasonable, but it's right. For example, your reasoning will tell you you're better off getting than you are giving. But that's not the right thing to do. Jesus himself said, no, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So the point I'm making is the most reasonable thing you can do is in, in any situation, you bring any situation to me, and I'm going to tell you at the, at the end of the day, you say, hey, I need some advice. Here's what I'm always going to tell you. Trust God confidently. Trust God completely. Trust God obediently. Be confident. Be confident in God's provision for you. Well, if you really trust God and you're going to be confident in God's provision for you, then you take a second step. You're going to be consumed with God's purpose for you. Not just confident in God's provision. You're going to be consumed with God's purpose for you. In other words, not only should you keep God out front in every moment of your life, you ought to keep God in mind in everything you do. So he goes on and tells us, in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all. He loves that word all, right? Trust the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Now, do you get the emphasis of that verse? All. What does that mean? That means you acknowledge him in your financial life. You acknowledge him in your marital life. You acknowledge him in your social life. You acknowledge him in your vocational life. You acknowledge him in your recreational life. You acknowledge God in everything. By the way, that word acknowledge literally means to recognize. It means to seek. So in other words, what he's saying is, hey, in every part of your life, you ought to be looking to God. and You ought to be looking for God. 
So in every decision you make, I mean, without even thinking, here's the first thing that ought to come to your mind, right? So what would God want? What would God desire? What would God have me to do? By the way, that's true whether you're going to play or pray, to work or to worship, whether you're going on vacation or to your vocation. He says we're to acknowledge him in all our ways. Now, what is the opposite of acknowledging God? What's the opposite? It's ignoring God. And that's what we do so many times. We, don't, we ignore God. When even, God not, God's not even in the picture. So I, let me just put this as simply as I possibly can. In every part of your life, always keep God in mind. In every part of your life, always keep God in mind. That means, okay, with my mind, I want to think his thoughts. With my ears, I want to hear his voice. With my eyes, I want to see his perspective. I want to keep him in the driver's seat. I never want him in the back seat. By the way, have you ever met a real great backseat driver in your life? Let me tell you some good news. God won't drive from the back seat. You put God in the back seat, he goes stone silent. You won't hear anything. He doesn't, he doesn't talk in the back seat. Now, don't you think about this. If you made up your mind today, in all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge God. In everything I do, in everything I decide, I'm going to always keep God in mind. Can you just imagine how that might change your marriage? Can you just imagine how that might change the way you approach your job? The things you put into your body? The words you allow to come into your mouth? And by the way, can I just let you on a secret? Did you know that God wants to be in on every decision of your life? Every decision. God wants to be in on every decision. There was a lady that came to her pastor one time and she said, I got a question for you. He said, sure. He said, do you think God really cares about the little things in my life? I love what that pastor said. He said, let me ask you a question. Do you think there's anything that's big to God in your life? It's a great, great answer. Does God really care about the little things in my life? Well, do you think that there's anything big to God in your life? God wants to consume your life. Listen, God wants to consume you. He wants you to be consumed with him. I don't mind putting it this way. God wants to dominate you. And God wants you to be dominated by him. Because I got news for you. This is going to be a shock to a lot of you here. And if you'll get this thought in your mind and start living like you believe, it's going to change your life. God is not here to accomplish your purpose with your life. You are here for God to accomplish his purpose in your life. You're not here with your life, to do what you want to do with your life. Because I got news for you, bad grammar, great theology. It ain't your life. It's his life. And you are not put here to accomplish your purpose for your life. You are put here so he can accomplish his purpose in your life. And so for a follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, man, that just makes life real simple, right? You do what God wants you to do. You go where God wants you to go. You give what God wants you to give. There's no part of your life where God can be ignored or God can be put on a closet or God can be put on a shelf. We're to trust God every day and acknowledge him in all our ways. Now, this is the best part of the message. 
God says to you, and God says to me, if you will be confident in my provision for you, trust me with all your heart. Don't lean on your understanding. If you'll be consumed with my purpose for you, in all your ways, just acknowledge me. In all your ways, keep me in mind. Here's what God says he will do. He'll make sure that you are controlled by God's plan for you. You'll be controlled by God's plan for you. Here's the promise. And he will make straight your path. That's the promise. You be consumed with my purpose. You be confident in my provision. You'll be controlled by my plan. Now, I want you to hear me carefully. This is a promise. And God always keeps his promise. However, it is a conditional promise. You understand that? You will be controlled by God's plan for your life. You will be if you're confident in God's provision and you're consumed with God's purpose. So here's what that means. That means not only will God lead you, not only will God guide you, guide you where he wants you to go. You ready for this? This is, so, this is awesome. He will clear every obstacle get, that gets in the way of you getting there. So if God is clearing the way for you, what does that mean? If God's clearing the way, if, okay, here's the path I want you to go. And God says, okay, I'm going to be clearing the way. What does that mean? All right, I'm going to make it easy. So who's got to be out front? It's not hard. Who's got to be out front? Yeah, God does. God's got to be out front. He's not going to be behind. God's going to be out front. You got to be behind. God's got to be the leader. You got to be the follower. Now, let me tell you how this is going to be so practical. Every one of us listening right now in this building, every one of you listening to me right now online, you're going to live life on one of three levels. Everybody lives life on one of three levels, all right? Here's the lowest level, level one. I do what I want to do. Now, that's where most of the world lives every day of their life. I do what I want to do. So here's the way most people think. I give what I want to give if I want to give it all. I serve where I want to serve if I want to serve at all. I go where I want to go if I want to go at all. It's all up to me. I am the captain of my ship. I am the master of my faith. I do what I want to do. That's the lowest level. But there's a second level, and it's a higher level. I do what I think I ought to do. And now, frankly, I think that's really, I'm being honest, that's where most believers, as I pastored churches for 45 years, this is where most believers are. Most believers are. Mike, I see you back there. Mike Dean, there's Mike, my, one of my best buds. Mike, we've talked about this before. People do generally what they think they ought to do. We, they think that's the way they ought to do it. You know, that's where most believers live. Because you think, wait a minute, God gave me a mind. He did. God gave me a reason. He did. God gave me the ability to think. He did. So I guess it's just up to me. I just kind of do what I think is best that I ought to do. And that sounds like a great level. You say, man, yeah, I think that's where I ought to be, but it's not. I'm going to prove it to you. Has anybody ever done what I've done? Have you ever made what you thought was a reasonable decision, but it turned out to be stupid? Can I, can I get an eight? Can I get a witness to that? I mean, we thought we needed something and we bought it and then realized we didn't need it. We thought we needed a bigger house till we moved in, then we didn't need it. 
We thought we needed that brand new car until the first car payment came in. Then we realized we didn't need it. We thought we needed another job so we ought to quit that job and go to another one. But then we found out that we shouldn't have done it. Or we thought we should have married that person. But we shouldn't have. That's not the level y'all live on. There's a third level. It's the highest level. It's the best level. You ready for this? The best level is not, I do what I want to do. The best level is not, well, I do what I think I ought to do. No, no, no. The best level is, I do what God leads me to do. That's the best level. I'm going to do what God leads me to do. So I let God determine the path he wants me to walk. I let God direct me on the path he wants me to go to. I let God clear the way for me to get there. But now that raises a big question, and it's a fair one. But how does God do that? Okay, I'm all in on that level, but how does God do that? Well, I could preach a whole other sermon on that. I'm going to be just give you one brief, little, just one little nugget. Let me tell you, I've learned this. I've been a believer for half a decade. There's one primary way he does it. You ready for this? The primary way God does it is right there. Right here. That's how God directs your path. That's how God makes your path straight. He does it through his word. Listen, don't ever forget this next statement. God's direction will never contradict God's instruction. God's direction will never contradict God's instruction. So the number one question most pastors get asked, and, and, I, and, I, and if you said to me, what's the one question you've gotten asked more in your ministry than any other question? It's easy. This is by far the number one question. How, do, how can I know God's will for my life? That's the number one question. How can I know God's will for my life? Let me give you some good news. We almost act like that God's will is like buried treasure. It's like a scavenger hunt. And you got to find it. You got to dig it up. Or it's kind of a maze you have to work your way through. Or it's some kind of a long equation. You've got to figure it out. Let me, let, let me tell you a wonderful secret. The majority of God's will for your life has already been revealed right here. The majority of God's will for your life has already been revealed right here. Now, you're asking another question, and it's a good question. You say, but well, wait a minute. What about the remainder of all the things I'm trying to figure out what I'll do that isn't found in the Bible? All right, I got another easy answer for you. You ready? This will really free you up. You won't make a mistake where the Bible is silent as long as it doesn't violate where Scripture speaks. You, will know, you won't make a mistake where the Bible is silent as long as it doesn't violate where Scripture speaks. So here's an example. Well, God, well, you've opened up. Did I open up my Bible? Did I go to Teresa? If I'd have done this, I wouldn't have married her. She'd have left me alone. She wouldn't even, she'd have thought I'd lost my mind. If I'd have gone to her and I said, you're not going to believe this, I'm going to show you a verse that says you ought to marry me. She's out. She's done. There was no specific verse that says, you are to marry Teresa York. But I'll tell you what this book did say. You make sure Teresa York knows Jesus. You make sure Teresa York loves Jesus. You make sure Teresa York is just as called to the ministry as you're called to the ministry because if she's not, it won't work out. Or you take a job. Do I take that job or not? Is it an honorable job? Yes. Is it an honest job? Yes. Do you have a passion to do the job? Yes. Do you have the skills to do the job? Yes. Do you have a piece about doing the job? Yes. Take the job. I don't know what college I ought to attend. Okay. When you go to whatever college you're thinking about, are you going to go there as a missionary? 
Are you going to go there to be a witness for Christ? Are you going to go there believing that they have the thing that you need to study and nobody's better at it than they are? They can give you what you need? And are you going to go there already with your mind made up no matter what they teach you that if it's against the Word of God, you're not going to accept it? Absolutely. Then go to that college. That's, the way, that's when, you do, when you do that, God will make your path straight. Now, do you understand how exciting this sentence is? Listen, don't miss this. When God is leading you, when you're following him, when you're confident in his provision, when you're consumed with his purpose and controlled by his plan, here's what God says. You may think you're not going to get where I want you to go. Don't worry. Mountains will melt. Valleys will be filled. Crooked places will be straightened. Rough places will be smoothed. Doors will be opened. Walls will be demolished. Because I will always get you, not where you want to go, but I will always get you where I want you to go. I will clear your path. I will make it straight. Now, I don't know what decision you've got to face today, and I don't know what decisions you're looking at right now, but let me just tell you one decision that we face as a church you need to know about. Most of you don't know this, but early in the pandemic, our church applied for a PPP loan. Some of you did, some of you did. I had, I had men calling me, Pastor, do you think I ought to apply for this loan? So we applied for a PPP loan, Right? Businesses are closing right and left. We didn't know what was going to come back in, you know, what was going to come back in March. So we just filled out the paperwork just in case, and then we waited. Well, while we waited, something amazing happened we didn't see coming. God provided for our church. You kept giving. You stayed faithful. You allowed us to continue ministering in the midst of this pandemic week after week. So we kept feeding the hungry. And we kept Encouraging the discouraged. We kept meeting benevolent needs. We kept sharing the gospel. Well, guess what happened? Voila. A few weeks later, we got that PPP loan from the government. We could have used it. And it was not a small amount of money. But we prayed about it and thought about it. We said, you know what? God honored our trust. God honored your giving. And when we looked at your example, when we looked at God's faithfulness, you know what we did? We gave the money back. We didn't keep it. Because how can I stand up here and tell you to trust God if we don't trust God? If we could have used the money. Trust me, we weren't going to go to Disney World on it. But we said, no, we're going to trust God. Now, all that leads me to say this, we'll wrap up. Now we've got another decision to make as a church, as a church family. We want to finish strong this year. We want to make sure our budget is fully met. And we can do this if you'll just do one thing, just one thing. If you'll just start trusting God with your tithes. And you'll just start trusting God with your offerings. So as you make your decision going forward, here's just some questions I want to ask you. Just be honest. I am, let me just say before I go any further. No guilt trip. I'm not trying to put you on a guilt trip. That guilt doesn't work. No pressure. I'm not pushing. I'm not begging. I'm not pleading. Between you and the Lord. Just ask some honest questions. Does my giving show I truly trust God? There is no in-between. Either it does or it doesn't. Does my giving show I truly trust God? Am I willing to begin today by trusting God with all my heart, starting with my finances? See, God is waiting on your answer, and you can't duck the question. So we want to do you a favor. To help you make the wisest decision and the best decision, you can either go to Cross Point Church 
www.ebbsfoodcompany.com slash trust or just text trust to 56525. Let me tell you what's not going to happen. You will not get these calls every day from a different number telling you this is Donald Trump or this is this or this is that. You're not going to get those kind of calls. All that is is just resources for you to say, okay, help me. I really do want to get this part of my life right. Just either text your trust to that number or cross more church and you've got, we've got resources. Some of you need help in just maybe helping to manage your money. We want to give you resources to help you do that. Now, all that said, give me your full attention. One more minute, we're done. Great illustration, true story. How many of you remember, some of you are old enough to remember, how many of you remember the Tom Cruise comedy, Risky Business? How many of you remember that movie? Okay, some of you do. Made in 1983. That movie did two things. That movie launched Tom Cruise's career and it saved Ray-Ban's Wayfarer sunglasses from extinction. His character wore Ray-Ban Wayfarer glasses all throughout that movie. You ready for this? Because of that one movie, because he wore those sunglasses, Ray-Ban, that year, sold 360,000 pairs of Wayfarers. I know, I bought 10 of them. Now, what you don't know is that placement didn't just advertise those sunglasses. It literally pulled that product back from the brink because you know what they'd sold the year before? 18,000. They were this close to pulling that brand off the shelf and then Tom Cruise came along because in 1982, Ray-Ban made a great decision. They hired Unique, a Burbank product placement firm to get their glasses into the films like Risky Business. And as a result, guess what happened? You know, I told you in the next year, in that year it sold 360,000 pair. Guess what? In the next two years, it sold 1.2 million. All because a company said, place what you have with Tom Cruise and watch what happens. When you trust God with all that you are and you trust God with all of you have, when God says, trust me, and you say to God, you know what? I will. Be assured, your life will reap dividends both earthly and eternal that will give you more than you ever dreamed possible. Would you pray with me right now? With his bowed and with eyes closed, let me just prove something to you. Jesus Christ, a carpenter from Nazareth, lives 33 years, dies on a cross, and comes back from the grave. How'd that pay off for us? How'd that work out for us? Ha! <laughs> Eternal dividends. I'm asking you today to trust God. And but let me just make it plain. Not with your money primarily. Put that aside. Trust God with your heart. Trust God with your soul. Which would God rather have? Let's just find out what kind of a God he is. Would God rather have your money or would God rather have you? I'll tell you what, he'd rather have you. Because when he gets you, everything else falls. If you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, I want you to hear me. You need to treat Jesus the way you treat your bed every night. You need to lay down on Jesus. You need to give your heart, your whole heart, 
your life, your entire life, you need to give all of it to Jesus. If you've never done that, if you've never made that decision to trust Christ, not with your money, not with your marriage, not with your ministry, but with your life, would you do it right now? You're in this building. Would you do it right now? You're watching me online. Would you do it right now? Would you, for the first time in your life, not just believe God in your head, but trust God with your whole heart? Would you say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. You are that Savior. You died for my sins. God raised you from the dead. You're alive. I believe it. Today, I trust you as my Lord. I acknowledge you as my Savior. I surrender my life to you. I repent and turn away from my sins. I give all that I am to all that you are. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, listen, either in this building or watching me right now, I want you to do something right now. Do it right now. I want you to go to your iPhone or your iPad or whatever your computer you might be on. I want you to do one of two things. I want you to text crosspointchurch.com slash decision or just text yes Jesus to 56525. If you prayed that prayer with me and you asked Christ into your heart and you meant it, Go to that website or text that number. That's all you got to do. What will happen? There will be resources there that will help you get started in your walk with God. We baptized two wonderful believers today. You know what they were saying when they got baptized? They were saying, I've trusted God with all of my heart, and I'm going to acknowledge Him in all my ways. That's the first way you can show you trust God, by being baptized. You've never been biblically baptized, or you'd like to join our church. You can do the same thing. Text that website, go to the, or text this number right here and say, hey, I need to follow Christ in baptism. We had somebody last week tell the same thing. I want to join this church. Do it right now. In a moment, we're going to sing and we're going to be through. But I want to say this to all of you. We all have one thing in common. Everybody look up here. We all have one thing in common. We all have one life, just one. And it doesn't last long, trust me best thing to do, the greatest thing to do, and truly the only thing to do is to trust God with all of your heart. When you leave here today, you'll be sent. You're not leaving. You're going to be sent because there are a lot of people out there. They're walking in darkness. They're walking dead in streets. Their life's going nowhere. They need to know the God they can trust, and we need to be the ones that tell them.